You're now listening to the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast, hosted by the editors of the Global Connected Aircraft Summit. You can subscribe to the podcast and make suggestions for topics and guests at gcasummit.com slash podcast. Apple and Android users can also find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. This episode is sponsored by SmartSky Networks. Effective internet security and privacy products, whether in the air or on the ground, are highly dependent on low latency, bi-directional, and high bandwidth networks. For in-flight connectivity, only SmartSky Networks is designed to provide all of these important requirements necessary to protect your data while in the air. With nearly 100 patents granted and more in process, SmartSky Networks provides Excellent user experiences, which are comparable to at-home service and download speed and latency while exceeding typical at-home upload speeds. If ensuring your aviation communications are secure as well as blazing fast are important to you, then check them out at smartskynetworks.com for information on their network and their products. Remember, SmartSky Networks for all your aviation connectivity requirements. SmartSky, designed to serve the aviation industry. We are now back for episode four of the Global Connected Aircraft podcast, and this will be part two of our two-part interview with Alaska Airlines Director of Information Security Architecture, Jessica Ferguson. In the second part of the interview, you're going to learn about what Alaska has been doing since the remote hacking of their system occurred, how they're looking to prevent anything like that from occurring in the future, you also learn about Jessica's involvement in a group called the Aviation Information Sharing and Analysis Center, better known as Aviation ISAC. And that group basically provides a sort of best practices guide to commercial airlines and really all of commercial aviation for improving the industry's ability to protect itself from the type of cyber attacks that you heard occurred at Alaska Airlines in part one of our interview. And by the way, you can hear part one of the interview at www.gcasummit.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. So let's go ahead and get into the second part of our interview with Jessica Ferguson, who is the Director of Information Security Architecture at Alaska Airlines. You're also a member of the Aviation Information Sharing and Analysis Center, Aviation ISAC. Can you explain what Aviation ISAC is, your role there, and how they're helping to improve cybersecurity practices in commercial aviation? Yeah, absolutely. So, Aviation ISAC is a membership community of aviation operators, manufacturers, and airframers. And basically, the common goal fundamentally is to is the sharing of threat intelligence information in between the members of the ISAC. My role in that organization, I am a board member alternate. I also function as an analyst, uh, working with our with the analyst team. And I also head up the threat actor working group, which is kind of a new working group inside the ISAC, which is working on identifying and uh, tracking threat actors targeting aviation. There's a lot of a lot of areas where the ISAC is really working um, to, to improve cybersecurity within aviation. I would say the first one is working with 
sharing intelligence across the airlines, right? That is kind of the fundamental core bread and butter of the ISAC and kind of fundamental, you know, kind of fundamentally what it was started for was to facilitate sharing the interface between the different airlines and the, the operators. There are a lot of cases where threat actors target aviation as a sector for varying different motives. So, you know, if I experience a breach or an attack, if I can share that information and, you know, help somebody else not experience that or, you know, help them drive to resolution of a breach sooner than later, then that's a win for the ISAC. And the ISAC is also working a lot with the sector coordinating councils and DHS. So the ISAC is not part of the aviation sector reporting model. So that really kind of helps share information and coordinate response across the critical sectors as they're defined by the Department of Homeland Security. Or is it only U.S. airlines that are members of ISAC? No, we have European Airlines, Asian Airlines, Australia. Yeah, lots of different airlines. As well as, I should say, we have a, a large up-and-coming group of airports that are starting to join as well. And airports actually get information from the multi-state ISAC, um, which is a great source of intelligence for them because it's for, they're also finding a lot of uh, commonality and information-sharing operators and manufacturers. So. Okay. In fact, I know a big push right now that, you know, a lot of the airlines in Canada are starting to join the ISAC. So it's been really exciting, as well as even some charter operators of airlines are starting to join as well. Okay. And you attended DEF CON last week. And for our audience, can you kind of explain what DEF CON is, what you learned there, and maybe one of your biggest takeaways just from, from attending that conference? There's two conferences, security conferences that are held in Las Vegas. They kind of happen back to back. There's Black Hat, which I would say is probably the more business executive conference. And then there's DEF CON, which is really kind of more hacker conference. So DEF CON, it really is a conference for security researchers to come and, you know, share what are the latest things as far as exploits, defense, offense, techniques that they're building and developing. So, you know, I think that, you know, one of my biggest takeaways, there's a lot of, you know, work still being done in the embedded system space. There's several different villages inside of CON where people do test different equipment. So, for example, there's a election hacking village, so hacking electronic voting machines. There's a car hacking village where you could hack to a forward explorer, right, and try and take control of the car. ICS hacking village. So they actually had a garbage without, which is an aircraft navigation platform that, that people were, were hacking and testing and assessing security vulnerabilities on. I think that there is still a lot of room for growth and room for development. Actually, I would say room for maturity in security in the embedded system space, especially when we're talking about industrial control systems, aircraft systems, there is just constant new vulnerabilities that are being defined and assessed against systems in that space. You know, I think that's, we need to be aware as maybe around what are the new, what are the new attacks that are coming out in those sectors, particularly in the, in the um, ICS embedded systems sectors. Okay. I also want to talk to you about the report that was published by 
global IT security company, IO Active, recently. Now, according to the report, Ruben Santamarta, who is a principal security consultant, discovered some vulnerabilities within airborne satellite communications equipment featured on a lot of in-flight commercial aircraft. Can you explain what those vulnerabilities are and how they were resolved ultimately? Yeah, to clarify, we were not one of the companies that were affected by, uh, by these vulnerabilities. So I, I do know folks at the different companies that were affected. So, you know, just caveat, talking about all this is, is somewhat of a, an outsider looking in, at least as far as, as far as being affected. The vulnerabilities, so Ruben Santa Marta uh, was able to assess and determine the IP space for Hughes Satellite. And in doing so, he did some scanning, actually did some searching using an online tool called Shodan, and was able to determine that for several systems on two European airlines and one US airline, that the control units were exposed to the public internet. He found a, a login prompt, did some additional research on some forums, and was able to determine that there was a default username and password that was being used, and he was able to log in and actually take access to these systems on in like Reforger. He also found some other vulnerabilities that were included as well in the firmware. One of the biggest challenges I think that Ruben had was, you know, he kind of moved from, you know, just looking at the vulnerabilities to um, trying to, so if my impression is he went from saying, hey, I found a, a vulnerability in a system to going more towards, I found a systemic issue in Saffron, which is not the case, at least not, I would say, not from an aviation perspective. He tried to, you know, he tried to say, hey, I could get access you know, jump from the modem to be able to control the dish. And potentially if I had 300 satellite dishes, you know, maybe I could DDoS a satellite from, you know, all these systems by buying firmware to override the security controls. Or, you know, he started using some terms like being able to do physical warfare. You know, I could irradiate passengers on the plane or crew on the plane or interrupt VHF, HF frequency, things like that. Global Eagle, who was the vendor as well as Boeing, did a lot of research into this, wrote up several detailed white papers, responded back actually to plug the ISAC again. The ISAC actually coordinated a lot of this industry response with Proactive and with Ruben Santa Marta to, and really kind of worked with them to try and, I would say, temper some of the language coming off of the, off of the aircraft. You know, I, I think honestly, in my perspective, Ruben did some was able to find a misconfiguration. It was a system, a firewall misconfiguration, actually, on by the vendor Global Eagle that exposed these these MCUs to the ground. I think he found some other vulnerabilities that should have been fixed, like default username and password should not be used. He determined some other actual firmware vulnerabilities in the Hughes MCU, which I think is awesome, right? I think, you know, honestly, if he had left it there and said, hey, this is what we found, that would have been great. But the problem is, is I think when you kind of start moving into this concept of, you know, trying to extrapolate out what starts becoming uh, a challenge. 
he was doing a lot of extrapolation. Right. So. Okay. And, and, you know, one thing I really wanted to use this interview for was, you know, we see in news headlines all the time, kind of commercial airplanes can be hacked into. Probably a lot of our audience knows about the reports from several years ago that, you know, a well-known hacker was able to use IFEC to hack into flight control systems. Now, FBI ultimately proved that wasn't true. But can you kind of just give maybe your perspective today just to kind of assure those of us who are, you know, just regular airline passengers, you don't have much to worry about when you get on planes. I mean, you all are actively assessing the vulnerabilities and you're on top of it. This isn't a, you know, a major threat to to people getting on aircraft today. There's not, you know, just all these cyber vulnerabilities out there. Yeah, I mean, so fundamentally, aircraft are designed in an air-gapped way, right? And they're designed with different system domains. And fundamentally, you know, depending on the manufacturer, this may vary a little bit, but there's three typical system domains on a plane. We have what's called an aircraft control domain, and that really is your avionics systems. So these are typically airing standard systems that are in plane safety standard systems that are used for actual control of the plane. And that aircraft domain as a safety domain is typically considered your highest security domain on the plane. Then there's what we call uh, aircraft information system domain or AISD. And that's typically where if you are a plane operator, you install things like your electronic flight bag, other systems that may talk with the aircraft or at least receive data feeds from the aircraft. But, you know, and, and our, our higher security may be, you know, from a networking perspective, than your general passenger data. And then we have what's called the PIE-D domain, passenger information system domain. And that really is where your, your entertainment systems, if you have feedback in, in flight entertainment systems, or your in-flight passenger Wi-Fi, typically and really, those planes are designed in such a way that typically no system from the PISD or from the AISD can influence aircraft control domain, right? Because those are safety rules systems that we don't want to touch, right? Critical to the controlled aircraft. And then with very smart walls and things like that, you may allow a, a system to talk from the aircraft information system domain through the passenger information system domain, that does happen a little bit, but you would never let something from the passenger information system domain talk back to the aircraft information system domain. So again, it's all out domains of control and controlling what can talk between what different domains. So I think that you know aviation in general has done a really good job for years on really defining these different domains and kind of maintaining separations between those different domains to ensure that a passenger in, you know, 16 can't just go hack your airplane. And that really was the basis of the conversation with Chris Roberts, who you alluded to. Yeah, Chris Roberts hacked an ID. Well, that's great. But the only thing, you know, that IFB may receive a one-way data feed from, say, the GPS unit or other flight management systems for things like the moving map that you see when you're on board the plane. But, you know, you're not going to be able to jump from that IFB to go attack control of the aircraft. And I think that was the big thing that people need to understand is, you know, those systems are designed with that with that domain architecture concept of, of least privileged access open for those. Got it. Okay. 
Well, yeah, thanks for the breakdown of that. I think it'll be very helpful for our audience. You're now listening to the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast, hosted by the editors of the Global Connected Aircraft Summit. You can subscribe to the podcast and make suggestions for topics and guests at gcasummit.com slash podcast. Apple and Android users can also find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 